Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yogurt has been a part of our diet for centuries and can often be one of the first foods we are introduced to. Adding to the Little Yo range, Yo Valley have launched their own yogurt pouches a good source of protein and calcium. These children-friendly yogurts are perfect for hungry little tummies and could it be better for when you're out and about. So now there's no need to be searching for those healthy snacks when on an adventure. So just make sure that you bring those little yo pouches with you. Available in two delicious flavors, which come in recyclable pouches, these little yo yogurts are perfect for snacking and on the go. To find out more, head to yovalley.co.uk and find it in your local supermarket. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought, a podcast that's on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. We all know that regular physical activity is an important part of staying healthy, but whether you're an avid gym goer or prefer occasional workouts, our diet can have a huge impact on our goals and the physical development. This week's Food for Thought sees nutritionist Daniel Davey and I explore the latest research in sports nutrition and how by adapting the way in which we fuel ourselves, this can be such a game changer in our performance, skill and recovery. Hello, Daniel. Hello there. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I've been wanting to speak to you for quite some time um, about this topic. And I think now, thanks to lockdown, actually, we, we've managed to to make this work, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, some of the positives of COVID, yeah. Precisely. Um, let's start the conversation by discussing the biggest mistakes that you find people make when it comes to f- fueling fitness. Yeah, I think the most obvious one is that Uh, we tend to be really good at planning our training and knowing that Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday are the days we're going to be running or we're going to be in the gym. But I I don't think that we pay the same type of attention to our planning, our nutrition and our fueling. And I think the biggest mistake I'll see is, is where people don't actually understand I need to align my energy and let's say my fuel or my carbohydrate needs to those days. So doing the same thing every day is just not going to get you you where you want to go. That's so true. I think we don't prioritize our nutrition in that way at all, which is why we're having this discussion today, because food is our fuel. And we need to probably explain, I suppose, where where actual energy comes from. Yeah, so, well, energy can predominantly come from carbohydrate as a source of energy during exercise, particularly as 
the intensity of that exercise increases, our demand for fuel or our demand for energy increases. So at rest, we're using predominantly free fatty acids or, or fat as a source of fuel. But for athletes or people who are exercising, you know, it could be a team sport athlete, it could be someone on their bike at the weekends. The energy that's coming mainly from carbohydrate and that's stored, uh, the stored form of carbohydrate is, is glycogen and that's stored in, in our muscles and liver. Uh, and when we begin to exercise, then that's going to be broken down into glucose as a source of fuel for our muscles. Mm, I often try to, um, if I'm giving a talk or explaining it, I always use the kind of phrase of imagine an invisible um being surrounding your entire body shape full of glycogen it's almost like invisible energy isn't it power that's waiting to be waiting to be released and it does come from carbs and it it's crazy really why carbs as a food group um were given a pretty bad rap in the media for quite a long time i think people are now starting to realize that um carbohydrates aren't obviously quite the devil but there's a lot of talk about energy and energy out as well what are your thoughts around this? Well, I suppose it, I'll go back to maybe some of my experience with working with elite athletes. And, you know, you talk about energy in, energy out. I, I think that there's there's a real misunderstanding about how critical it is to meet our energy levels. And I know there's a lot of research being done on, on relative energy deficiency that we, we see in, in a lot of female athletes. And I think there's, again, maybe a lot of the information that's present in the media and social media has led to confusion about uh, that fear of fueling and that fear of getting enough energy and that actually having serious consequences for uh, for, for general health, but also our risk for, in, for injury, uh, our, our risk for illness and things like that. So it's a far bigger thing than just not having energy for, for exercise. If we do it over a prolonged period of time, there are some pretty serious consequences. Yeah, it's, it's so important to um, to state that because, in fact, sometimes the consequences of our actions um, now may not be seen as well immediately. It can take quite a while for these sorts of things, um, you mentioned injuries as well, um, to occur. Often it's when you least expect it, but it's the gradual wearing down on the body and, and the toll that these things can definitely take. So if we are discussing energy intake on a whole, how can we manipulate this for our listeners to to meet specific fitness or body composition goals? Yeah, I I I try to break it down really really simply um, when I'm dealing with athletes in a, in, a, in a simple framework. So uh, we'll get to protein, I'm sure, at some point. But it's mm -hmm. it's it's really simple having a, a guide for your protein needs in any given day. So that's we we get to that. But from a carbohydrate point of view. How I break it down in really simple terms is there's days where you exercise and then there's days where you're recovering and then there's days when uh, you're not doing much. You know, I know we're either in, in preparing or we're exercising or we're, we're recovering. That's what an athlete's life looks like. They're sleeping, eating and, and, and exercising. Mm. But if you break it down into those type of days, first of all, and understand that there's a greater need for fuel and there's a greater need for a carbohydrate on those days so uh, a general workout in the gym might be something like 300 calories um, a, a run or a competitive match or something like that um, that can be anywhere from 600 to a thousand calories so if our basic requirement for energy is 2000 
calories for for a woman or two and a half thousand for a man we could be requiring an extra 500 600 even a thousand calories on top of that on those training days and i guess that's what brings me back to where we started and in, in, in talking about actually having a clear plan are, are do we know those extra days and what those days require in terms of, of energy and and carbohydrate so then it's a it's a very simple calculation and i know from working with athletes again this can be quite confusing but if we talk about it in in grams it can you know it can be anywhere between four grams of carbohydrate per kilo of body mass uh, and eight grams of carbohydrate per kilo body mass and what i generally do is is break this down into meals so it's an extra two or three simple carbohydrate based meals that would be pasta rice bread noodle that kind of those type of dish um and and then that's what where where our strength comes in 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 looking at recipes really simply here is a carbohydrate recipe that we give you this amount of of fuel on those days i think with the calculations and things that we're explaining obviously what you've just said quite comprehensively and makes perfect sense is that there's so much more to it. And I think there's a lot of confusion that comes in when we discuss the difference between your everyday gym goer, like you've quite rightly said, compared to the amount of energy perhaps an athlete needs to consider. So would you still recommend that people out there, even if they're not um, performance goal orientated, should they be perhaps considering addressing their nutrition and thinking about it a little bit more in terms of how much energy they use? Well, I think everybody can benefit from having a clearer idea of what their nutrition should look like on a daily basis. And even if it's just gym going, you know, you brought up um, body composition and um, very often, you know, that's something that's important to people. You know, it's it's maybe maintenance or building muscle mass or it's reducing body fat. And I think just by having a stable and consistent pattern in, in your eating and knowing what foods align well with your exercise in really simple terms, in really, really simple terms. It's four meals on this day and five meals on this day or, or, or whatever suits your schedule. I think that can really benefit people. I think it can bring great confidence and it can bring um, a stability to your routine because ultimately it's about our habits and our routines and then it's fitting in those, those really good habits so that we get the most from the exercise that we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. It is important for people to be aware of it. And we did discuss protein. So let, let's just go there now. Let's discuss protein. I feel that it's really taken a, um, a trendy kind of turn as well and, and lost its meaning a little bit in terms of the nutrition world that you and I both work in. So lots of products out there marketed now with protein being the essential thing for everything. Um, it's high in protein. It's wonderful. Could you explain, of course, um, the impact on protein in the body, what effect it will have on performance and muscle mass, all that sort of thing? Mm. Well, it, you know, you're you're right, and uh, we've seen all of the trends. We've seen it from you know from low fat to, uh, in some cases, high fat. We've mm. seen you know there's low carbohydrate, there's gluten free. We've we've seen all of the trends, and and I think anybody who works in this space kind of brings it back to where, where we're focusing most of our food choices is on real food and whole food sources. So um, it, protein, I, I, 
you know, I actually do place a huge amount of emphasis uh, on protein with anyone I work with so that they understand what their needs are um, and they understand the value and benefit from from multiple different angles. So you mentioned a few. The first one, I suppose, is that obvious growth and repair and make sure that you're adapting from any training session that you're doing. Uh, I was only working with a, a client earlier today who has been telling me that he's seen no improvements uh, in all of the work that he's been doing over the past three or four months in the gym and he feels like his training has been really consistent and then you look at his his food intake and he's probably at 50 60 percent um of where he needs to be from a protein point of view so mm. it's very difficult to adapt and to improve your strength improve your muscle mass improve your body composition if you're not hitting that protein target um, and so it's total protein intake being the the kind of the priority then protein quality is about eating natural sources of of, of good protein foods like fish and meat and dairy products and uh and, and of course there's there's no problem from a vegetarian or a vegan mm. point uh getting your protein from plant-based as long as we're meeting uh, our needs in in a complete form so just mixing our proteins to to get a, a complete protein source from all of the amino acids yeah and it's, it's interesting because I think it has a very male orientated, um, this particular macronutrient for some reason, a male orientated drive. Um, it's almost marketed as something that men should be concerned about, isn't it? Protein. Um, but it's just as important for women and men. And you've mentioned that obviously you can be plant-based. Um, perhaps could you explain the difference between getting a complete amino acid profile of proteins? So getting a good amount if you're plant-based and why gender divides shouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. And uh, I, I think if you were to ask the general population, what what do they think about when protein comes up? You know, they think about people in the, you know, men in the gym mm -hmm. and they think about uh, lifting weights and they think about meat and very often it's protein supplements. Um, and it's a, it's amazing when you do help female athletes or just people in general who are, ge who are generally active and want to be fit and well, help them meet those protein needs, how, how different it feels, you know, that feel, it, you know, we often talk about appetite or that sense of fullness or satiety, but you know, hitting your protein targets and needs will certainly help with that as well. Um, so I, I've talked a little bit about protein quality, and I, and I think a, a lot of the time what you see on the market is uh, is maybe highly processed uh, sources of protein, and uh, they they're they're maybe get out of jail options, but not mm -hmm. not ideal. And we should be, uh, as I said, focusing on real food. Um, so the difference, I suppose, uh, is the amino acid profile and certain uh, plant based foods won't have that complete amino acid profile. And one of them in particular uh, is a is an active um, amino acid called leucine and uh, leucine has been seen to be a key signaling pro, uh, amino acid for the production of, of muscle mass and for adaptation. So those type of amino acids, some, some of them can be uh, slightly um amiss in in plant-based protein sources and uh you need to combine them with uh, multiple sources of different foods so uh, you know pulses and beans combined with rice will give you a complete source of protein for example and that's that's the interesting bit because i think a lot of people forget that even an item like rice contains protein you said quite rightly that 
the the options I think that most people think of are animal-based things. But before you know it, actually, across the day, if everybody is eating in an ideal scenario, an ideal world, a Mediterranean-based platform of a balanced plate with your carbs, your proteins, your veggies, your fruit, and your healthy fats, people are probably going to get enough, aren't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's no question. And I think... Uh, People are sick of hearing uh, nutritionists and dietitians talking about planning and, and, and preparation and the fact that it always comes up. But in reality, that's that's where you get the, the growth, the benefits, the development of, of, of our improvements in your nutrition. If you look at your meals and say, OK, well, I'm looking for a complete source of protein at breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, and those meals are balanced, like you said, then we get what we are putting into our, mm. our, our you know our efforts and our plannings we will get those rewards but if we just have one source at one of those meals then over time we're going to miss those nutrients oh 100% variety is key and we talk about it all the time on this podcast and Daniel if we delve a little bit further into what perhaps you and I do one-on-one sometimes with clients which is the fact that Depending on the client's digestion will depend perhaps on the type of protein, the way it's cooked, the, even the carbohydrates they consume before or after an exertion of energy. So it could be before a sprint or it could be before a tennis game or a match. I hear you. Yeah, no, no. I, I have someone in mind, actually. I have a good Great. example in mind. Good. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm fortunate to work in professional and elite sports and um I guess one of the things that's really relevant in all of this is that we have an athlete's diet and then we have a diet that uh, would be recommended for the general public. And, and they're very different in terms of energy, but also in composition. And, you know, a simple thing like uh, white rice um, can be demonized uh, in the general public. People people think, oh, my God, you can't be eating white rice. What about all the <laughs> carbohydrate in that? And in reality, you know, and, and potatoes as well. It gets, mm. Even though we're famous in Ireland for our potatoes, it's got an awful <laughs> hit over here. Um, so people, uh, athletes need to understand that this is a these are key fueling nutrients and key fueling foods, I should say. And oh, yeah. They, they they provide a really good source of energy with a, a relatively low source of, of fiber. So fiber is something that obviously for the general public we need a lot of and it's important for our digestion and it's important for motility and and, and, and for a good balance of, of bacteria in, in our gut. But for athletes uh, who exercise to really high intensity regularly, fiber can be a problem. Um, particularly close to exercise. And one of the athletes that I'm working with actually converted last year from uh, an omnivore diet to a, a, a vegan or a predominantly vegan plant-based uh, diet. And I did my thesis on him in a postgrad I was doing. And one of the things that it only showed up after three months that turned out to be a real problem was he was relying heavily on lentils and pulses mm. um, in, in the preparation for a certain competition. And he was having real trouble on game day, um, multiple trips to the toilet, feeling uh, bloated and having issues uh, even in the in the onset of, of the games. Mm. And he came to me and uh, like he's one of these people who doesn't complain. And that's a big problem. And yes. like they don't yes, want they to don't. complain about it. No, they just want to get on with it. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, you know, I've you know, you know, what's going on? He says, well, I've, you know, I'm having multiple trips to the toilet on game day and I can't figure out what it is. And I said, uh, yeah, well, what, what's your, like, how are you, how are you fueling? 
And he said, well, I'm using lentils and I'm using pulses. And I said, well, you know, that's obviously going to have a huge amount of fiber. And he said, yeah, but I'm doing that on other days and it's not an issue. And I said, yeah, but you don't have the anxiety Mm. related to performance and you're not performing to the same level of intensity. Uh, I said, there's there's so many of other variables that are coming into this. He said, I never even thought of it. So I looked at um, what he was consuming and it was, he was consuming nearly 65 grams of fiber. Whoa. Yeah. Which is almost twice of what yeah. you'd see in a, in a, in a, in a just in, a, in your, for your RDA recommended intake. So it was a real learning for me. It was a real learning for him, but it just shows how easily something so simple uh, can become a problem if you're not getting the right sources. I love that example. And, I hope it's eye-opening for everyone listening with how unique we are with our bodies and why it's very difficult for health professionals um, like Daniel and I to say this is what is right because it's not. In between this rainbow spectrum of variety and individual differences, even your the, what you're doing that day can change your diets. It's not about what you normally eat or what works for you because actually what works for you may not work for you on another day. And it's, this is when it gets complex. Nutrition yeah. It's not simple and it's not black and white. And if we, so I hope that example has helped, by the way, for everybody listening. But if we move on to fats as well, because I feel this is often something, Daniel, that again, isn't understood at all, because there is a, a big movement at the moment about fats. Like you said, it's it's come around in circles. It's now very trendy to perhaps eat a bit more, but people don't understand or there isn't a message out there saying that fats are also fuel for our body. It's not just about the saturated fat and the mono or polyunsaturated ones. Fat fat is fuel. It's it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it is absolutely amazing. And uh, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, and I, f- I feel like we, 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 we dived in very quickly into mm. some of the, maybe the, the science elements without kind of this, uh, the, the, the softer approach, but it is, it is under, it is worth, um, reminding people about what a critical fuel source it is um, and how important it is as a, as a source of, of energy. And it's funny, just as you mentioned, uh, we're talking about fuel. I know that some of the earlier explorers who went to Antarctic, they used, um, because obviously they were uh, doing huge manual labor um, and it was extremely cold, they used a lot of butter believe it or not, Mm -hmm. um, as a source of fuel to keep them going. And that was the thing that they were able to store um, and obviously keep cold, but that it was was something that was hugely, uh, obviously from a calorie point of view, really calorie dense. Now, that's, I mean, obviously I'm not recommending people to cut (laughs) pounds of butter, uh, but I think it comes back again to understanding that it's a vital source of energy. Um, It can certainly make up 30 35 and in some cases in some cases depending on what the person's goal or need is even 40 percent of, of of calories but it's the it's where we're getting it from it's the quality that matters uh, and it's certainly not about demonizing any one particular food and getting into too much of the nitty-gritty about uh saturated and non-saturated and uh because again we respond so differently to these different foods Mm, yeah and that's the danger and also fats contain a lot of nutrition so yes they're an energy source a lot of the times they're good sources of vitamins um a d 
uh, they, they, they contain so many wonderful elements that can keep us going. But it, it's about portion size again, I would say, to anybody listening. Yeah, yeah if, if you're not sure, I mean, don't get me wrong, bread and butter is the most delicious thing in the world. But obviously, if you're going to have a lot more butter every single day of your life than the recommended amount, that's probably not very good for your health equally. So it is about being mindful, but knowing that no food group doesn't have a place. I shouldn't use double negatives. I should Mm. just say (laughs) every food group does have a place, which is a much easier way of looking looking at the situation. I I have actually another kind of interesting insight. Um, And there's something, uh, because obviously there's a lot of talk about our our blood lipid profiles and and just our balance between good cholesterol and and, uh, unhealthy cholesterol, that we just put it simply like that. But uh, we did uh, an assessment, an omega three indexed uh, assessment um, last year on on one of the professional teams that I work with, and we found it really fascinating that when we looked at the athlete's blood and we looked at the amount of omega three, there was only one athlete in the real uh, high end level recommended level uh, for um, the for omega-3 and uh, and we know omega-3 is 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 good for us and good for our brains and and good for you know reducing inflammation and things like that and that was a pescatarian of course all the oily fish all that salmon and mackerel yeah but it created great conversation among the athletes and i think that was something that really drew attention and athletes love having things measured and and Mm. something that now i'm not telling people to go out and do that but it just that it's an interesting point that very often we miss how valuable the contribution that fat can make like you said from a vitamin and mineral point of view but from an omega-3 point of view as well well, we have a whole podcast episode on food for thought about fats, but I think there should be one on omega-3, actually, because um, I don't want to obviously digress from the topic of, of this conversation, but it is so fascinating. It's linked to neurodegenerative, um, like motor neuron or dementia. It's linked to cellular function, your brain, like you said, your heart health. So omega-3s are definitely something and part of fats that you find. So for everybody listening, remember you get your plant-based sources from avocado, nuts, seeds, but they take a lot longer to convert to the type that you want in the body, which is probably why um, for people eating fish directly, it can be, um, obviously you'll find a lot of it if you're measuring blood samples. But I'm going to move forward on to micronutrients. So we've discussed macros, the carbs, proteins, and the fats. What about fueling fitness with micronutrients, so vitamins and minerals? Yeah, so one of the things that I, when I approach an athlete, I, I always see what's what what needs to be added. And very often, I think in, in society, we're reductionists. It's like, what can we take out? So it's how can we get more vitamins and minerals into a person's diet uh, are they hitting the seven plus portions of fruit and vegetables a day to get a really wide variety of nutrients and also talking about it from not just from i suppose from a sports performance perspective and a recovery point of view but also from a gut health perspective uh, and again helping them understand that if we get a really good wide variety of vitamins and minerals Uh, antioxidants fiber all of those kind of key nutrients that the instance um, of colds and flus and illness is likely to be a lot lower and the way that i relate that back from an from an athlete perspective is you know the chances of you missing training 
if you're sick are going to go down if you really pay attention to getting these wide variety of, of, of nutrients. Yeah. So I guess that's the first kind of key points that I, I try and make to people about the value that they place in the diet. A hundred percent. There's um there's often a lot of TV programs on this sort of thing. I remember one in particular with um and obviously this is a different element, but obviously micronutrients involved. Um, looking at you know people eating beetroot before a race or um upping their vitamin C for their supposed supported immune system. There's lots of fatty things you'll see on yes. the TV <laughs> and yes. interesting programs. But like Daniel says, you don't want to get sick. I mean, getting sick as an athlete is just like a curse isn't it it really is and it's uh, it's an inconvenience for athletes mm. you know they they just it gets in the way it frustrates them it affects their the, it affects their scheduling and they want to you know they don't want to feel like they're missing out and then from a competition point of view is another athlete getting ahead in their team or or who they're competing against so it's a it's a huge thing and you know, we record the illness and inst- the instance of illness throughout the course of the season and we try and, and really prepare our athletes in advance uh, to avoid these key phases, you know, particularly around October and November when we're back indoors a lot more and you start to see a lot less light. Um, and, and we focus a, a lot more on things like uh, making sure that they're taking their vitamin D um, mm. uh, to kind of avoid any any deficits or deficiencies in vitamin D. Uh, and uh, like I, I know this is not nutrition, but it, it kind of plays into it and certainly a lot more relevant now. Like things like hand washing yeah. uh, and, and general hygiene being being the key focus. So. Again, I feel like we're going back over things that people feel like they may have heard a lot of. But if you can get into a habit of preventing these things happening, you're mm. going to be in a far better position uh, over the course of your training cycles. So, yeah. yeah. And even even because even though this episode is about fueling fitness, ultimately rest is also such an important part. And you mentioned earlier, obviously, protein can help with recovery um, with any tissue tears and that sort of thing. But if people aren't getting their vitamins and minerals, we're just not aiding that process. And it's that cycle that Daniel mentioned at the beginning that what you pretty much do with fitness, um, train, recover, repeat kind of thing. Was that yeah, it? yeah. I said, I said you're either preparing to, 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 to perform performing, recovering, um, or, or sleeping, you know, and then there's obviously yeah. got the nutrition point of view from, from a nutri- nutrition point of view, that's, that's what's happening. And athletes, an athlete is either preparing, performing or recovering, and then all of the different components in it. Um, but I, I think the other thing that's worth mentioning, and, uh, you certainly will be familiar with this. Uh, we've talked about the supplement industry. Mm. I get asked all the time, all the time by, by athletes you know what yeah. supplement do i need to take yeah. and what, what how do i meet these micronutrient needs that you're talking about and it, it doesn't seem to matter how many times i say you can meet the majority of your needs through a, a really good balanced diet mm. uh, they're still curious um, of course. um and uh, i think it's worth mentioning and i've done a lot of reading around this as well is that um, about 10 years ago, a real focus came on the potential benefits of antioxidants, so real high on doses of antioxidants for recovery. 
And it was found, uh, and, and maybe you've discussed this before, but it was found that these actually can be counterproductive to the adaptation process. Mm. So we need a certain amount of inflammation from our training, and we shouldn't be taking super high doses of multivitamins and things like that around our training just to yeah. offset or reduce the risks of, of, of certain illnesses either. So I know we, we talk about it all the time, but food, 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 and variety in your food. And that's actually another really important thing. I, I can't remember. We did have an episode on supplements. We may have touched on that, but not in enough depth. And that is actually a really important bit of research to come out. And again, remember the placebo effect, guys. A lot of the time, if you are actively doing something that you think may help you perform, sometimes that could be beneficial, but it can also do harm. So exactly. you know, this is the thing to be aware of. And we need to establish all food groups in order to eat well. So let's talk about quantity. We've, we've discussed quality, nutrition. We know that's important, getting all the different colors, vitamins, minerals, the main macros. What and how do requirements change? I mean, every day to day, if we look at the difference between match day um, and general intake day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah, so um, what I what I generally do is is, is break it down to uh, there are three or four key days. So you've got in a, in an average week you'll have uh, a gym day, you'll have a pitch based day. So they're both exercise days. You'll have maybe one or two recovery days. You will have a fueling day, and then you will have match day. Um, so that's how a competition week might look for for an athlete and on each of those days i usually I, the the protein component which we talked about is generally really straightforward it's a minimum of four portions of protein protein throughout the course of the day and approximately 1.7 to 2 grams to 2.2 grams of protein per kg body mass so somebody like myself somewhere in the region of 150 to 160 grams of protein spread throughout the course of the day so let's kind of you can put that aside and you say okay now that i understand that this is how i achieve that that's fine let's move on to to um to carbohydrates and i think uh it it really depends when you're speaking to a, um an athlete it, it depends on where their knowledge is and mm. what their skill level is and if they they enjoy numbers and they enjoy understanding their macronutrients, I get them to track one or two days a week just to assess whether they're actually hitting their needs. Uh, and that's a simple way of doing it. 
or if not, uh, I, I show athletes through in food terms what, what it actually looks like. Mm. So on a recovery day, we're looking at four meals. And then on a training day, we're looking at six meals. And the reason there's an extra two meals there is pre and post exercise fueling. Yeah. So you're making sure that you've got a good spread of energy throughout the course of the day. And then very often when people hear six meals, what? Six meals? <laughs> well, a banana and a glass of milk could be considered a recovery meal depending on your needs. So mm. it's it's really simplifying it like that. And that banana and glass of milk, you know, it could be as little as, as 300 calories, but there are 300 very important calories. Um, yeah, I liked how you also said... Um, only a few days you could track it because this is when I think things can become very obsessive and I've personally worked with a few um athletes who found tracking useful at the beginning and then became yes. a bit of a crutch um, yes. to lean on so it's important to everybody listening that we're talking about elite level here really understanding and if you if you are just looking at upping your performance it's definitely not something you need to do every single day is it Daniel? Couldn't agree more um it's great that we're so aligned um, in our philosophy and mm. uh, and in our experience because I have uh, actually don't want to go into it in great detail but I have uh, a lot of issues around uh, some of the obsessive nature that tracking can can cause um, but I think it's probably worth mentioning that any yeah. tracking that I get athletes to do it's under my remit and I they have my full support and the purpose of it is to show them where energy comes from and it's to show them where often the deficits are you know where where they're missing out on on energy or missing out on on, on fuel for their performance and it isn't obsessive it's just it, it's just a simple exercise yeah. um but uh i i guess carrying that through it's a it's it's understanding then um that this certain amount of food and what, what i will do in really simple terms is i will give uh an athlete an outline of what a typical day would look for each one of these days so yeah. your recovery day your training day your gym day your fuel up day which can be as many as eight meals uh, if you're fueling up and you've got a large requirement of carbohydrate and just really really simply understanding that you know a bowl of porridge in the morning with a banana could if it's a good big bowl could give you 100 grams of carbohydrate and that is a quarter of your needs for the day you know, so it's in really simple terms. It's a sandwich. It's a it's a plate of pasta and chicken with some vegetables. It's two baked potatoes, and that's how you meet your needs on on those training days. Well, it helps them make sensible choices because I guess if you're not educated and you don't know, you could be having instead of that porridge to give give you that energy that morning. You could be actually just having an omelet, not realizing you're exactly. not getting the carbohydrates you need. You mentioned rest days, and I think there's also a lot of confusion, and I see it all the time, unfortunately, on social media. Oh, it's a rest day today. Therefore, I just won't really eat much because I'm not really, I'm not going to the gym, but I'm still doing my everyday normal activities. Mm. That's worrying in, in my view. What, what do you see on this? Yeah. And um, what I, the, the whole thing around recovery has, has got an awful lot more attention and focus over the past, uh, I, I, I would say the past three years in particular. And the one thing that we're learning more and more and more is that it can take for very very high intensity exercise it can take 50 to 70 hours to really properly recover and come back to a state where we're actually ready to train again so uh, the recovery day needs uh, are often 
critical the day after exercise if you're Mm. going to train again the next day so it just and this is why it's so important to go back and look at okay well what does my week look like am i doing training sessions that are back to back uh, or uh, continuous and if i am you are like i said in that that earlier it's are you you're either preparing performing or recovering so in that recovery component have you hit your protein need have you refueled with some carbohydrate foods uh, and you are is your body in recovering during that day are you are you doing what you need to do to get your body ready to train the next day and very often very often the athletes that i work with they struggle most on their off days because it doesn't we don't their schedules are dictated to them so they don't Mm -hmm. have that schedule and they need to create it for themselves we are creatures of habit and I, i really do think that scheduling and routines can be so beneficial for people obviously if they don't become too um too fixated on them to to the nth degree but let's talk about timings then on that point because there's also a lot of talk on how long you should eat before working out and how long to wait until afterwards and then should you be doing early morning workouts without breakfast or with breakfast all of that (laughs) yeah I think the whole podcast could be just on meal time yes it could yeah (laughs) uh okay so um so just generally speaking um because very often people like to have uh, some sort of structure, uh, you can work off a 12-12. And what I mean by 12-12 is you, you know, you're not eating for 12 hours and you're eating within a 12-hour period. I mean, that's a very simple structure. You can eat four to five times um, on a general day, or like I said, for athletes, it's four to six times across those time periods. The um, the, the, the whole thing about uh, breakfast and and are not having breakfast is a very, very individual thing. Um, I, I, I certainly know that it, it depends on the athlete's goal and it depends on the intensity of the exercise. So if you're doing a, a very light 30 minute jog in the morning, well, you don't need to be heavily fueled for something like that. You know, you can get up and you can make sure that you're hydrated, um, but you can recover well afterwards with, um, with a good breakfast. But the, we talked a little bit about um, about routine and scheduling and and having a structure. I think the big thing is that if you go for long periods without eating and you don't have structure, that can be very difficult to to be uh, to be consistent with, and it leaves you open to really struggling with your nutrition later in the day or in the evening if you haven't had good structure earlier in the day so i think that's kind of where some of the pitfalls are where people skip breakfast and it wreaks havoc on their digestion sometimes i do find sure. if there, there isn't if there are these prolonged periods and then people suddenly eat a lot more to compensate or you, you can sure. get into a bit of a vicious cycle can't you with, you with really can one. yeah you really can and i think um i'm uh, again we could talk for I don't know how long for on things like intermittent fasting, but one of mm. the things that um, and time restricted eating, one of the big things that I would have seen in practice is that I work with um, approximately 120 elite athletes and a good number of them have, have brought up this time restricted eating with me. Mm. And at this moment in time, if 50 tried it, I'm just pulling up an arbitrary number of 50 tried it, there's still only one that's actually still doing it 
you know yeah. so it's this thing where people go through phases of wanting to try new things but everything is about how you can how you, how you can manage your nutrition over time sustainably yeah that was a huge i mean with intermittent fasting it's still very we just need more research and we did a whole episode on it because sure. um it was just it needs to be discussed like you said it's there's no harm in trying things but just know that um like with everything, everyone's unique. You've got to do what works for you. And then what about fluids? We should really touch before we move on to questions from our listeners on um, hydration. Yeah, I, I always start by when hydration comes up, I always start by saying that it is the single most influential intervention for limiting fatigue during high intensity exercise so mm. a dehydration is dehydration and depletion of fuel but dehydration um has a major role in the result of fatigue the our effects on performance and our effects on, on concentration during high intensity exercise and even working with elite athletes for five years it's something that they need to be reminded about it's just very challenging for mm. athletes to uh, to, to, to consume enough fluids, particularly when exercising. So really simple structures. You know, I, I, I will always say to, to my athletes, try and hydrate first thing in the morning because you're likely to be dehydrated. Um, uh, to if you uh, and it's not that it's it's not that there's anything um, overly dehydrating about your coffees and teas, but just from a from a trigger point of view or from a habit point of view, trying to increase your fluids around those drinks also helps with your fluid intake and monitoring your urine closely in terms of its color uh, and a paler color being more likely you being uh, uh, hydrated. So simple habits and simple little structures throughout your day. Another thing that I would always suggest my athletes to do is to have a timeline throughout the day that they're actually checking it so that they know um, if they've got training at, or they're performing at 7 p.m., that at 4 p.m. they're checking their urine color and, and that they have got these things built into their days so that they know these are the things that they can control. Yeah. Uh, so they're the kind of key, simple messages I have around hydration. Oh, that was so helpful. Thank you. I think that summarized it perfectly. And I can even say for someone that isn't currently going to the gym, or if you're a new mum like me, you're running around like a crazy thing. It's amazing how difficult sleep deprivation is, let alone when you're dehydrated. So if you just drink more water, you cope with everything in life better is um, my philosophy on water. <laughs> Yeah, everything I, I agree and and you know um i heard a brilliant um a little example only last week a friend told me that uh, his brother uh, went to see a performance nutritionist and to work on he wanted to lose weight and uh, improve his body composition and the single work on this person had to do was to drink more to drink more water that was it and they were yeah. really frustrated that that was the only thing that they had to do yeah. but the point is if you do that and if that's something that's a weakness it can have a really positive knock-on effect on the rest of your habits uh, and then you build in something else but I thought it was a really really good thing to hear about just focus on your hydration because it was such a big issue for them yeah, no, that that's great. Um, thank you. Now we do have questions from our listeners today, and Beth, Beth has asked something that I thought was quite relevant. She said, "Should I be taking energy shots during an intense training session?" Uh, the challenge with these type of um, 
the challenge with these type of questions is not knowing mm-hmm. exactly the exactly. length, of, the length <laughs> of the session, the intensity of the session. But I will say there's a couple of things that that you can use as a as a framework. So uh, when you go over, if the, if this, the exercise intensity is is high and you're going over 45 minutes to 60 minutes, then it is generally recommended to drink an electrolyte solution with carbohydrate. So a sports drink can be beneficial in those type of situations and energy shots and gels and things like that are really, really trendy and get a lot more attention than just a simple sports drink, which is, can be easier to consume, has a greater focus on hydration and maybe more beneficial. So, um, yes, if, if it's a marathon runner, if it's somebody who's doing uh, high intensity exercise for a prolonged period, the general recommendation is about 30 to, well, it, it depends on, again, the, the intensity and volume, but 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour. That's great. That's really helpful. Thank you. Um, and there's lots of options. You can make them at home, sports drinks as well. You don't have to buy the um, the ones on the shop shelves. Now, Liam has asked something that I was hoping you might know about. said, I've heard a lot about protein pulsing. Should I be doing it? Uh, well, I have to be honest and say that I haven't, but if I haven't, or you don't know much about it, I wouldn't be overly concerned about it. Um, I, uh, I know that there are lots of different, um, uh, I, I, I don't want to even call them, I think ideas, there's, Mm -hmm. there's different types of ideas that come up as, um, ways that we can increase the, the, the way that protein can benefit our bodies, particularly around exercise, but I'm not convinced. I mean, what I what I know, and I've delved into the research extensively, total protein intake, the distribution of protein, and the quality of protein is what really matters if you're looking to get the most out of your exercise and training. Yeah, I agree. This sounds a little bit fatty. Now, maybe it is surrounding protein synthesis or having it frequently throughout the day, like you said, but it's, it's hard to know. I hadn't heard of that one either. Now, Katie has said, um, does my period affect my performance? Uh, well, there's no question that um, mm. the menstrual cycle has a, a huge um, impact on how you perform uh, fluid retention and um I think one of the most important things that I've learned, and this is only recently because I think we're only beginning to understand how how critical this element is, but um, appetite will tend to increase uh, around Mm. your your period. And it's really important that you do get sufficient energy in and around your cycle and um, and a hydration and, and and consuming sufficient liquids as well. Uh, I'm sure you've got some comments on it um, and uh, that, that could be beneficial. But I think from my general experience is, is to really avoid going after body composition improvements in and around your cycle um, in particular. Yeah. I think it's one of the, the most difficult things that, that we find um, in our clinic as well. So Faye, my nutritionist in the clinic, she helped me write the, the fitness ebook that we did recently. And we do find that it's so... Um, <laughs> Just, I know that we're um, we're embracing everyone, but sometimes it does suck a little bit being a woman with the menstrual cycle because if a race day lands on the day of your period, you, you just have to get on with it. Um, it's just one of those things where it will ultimately, your cycle does impact how you feel. It can affect your mood, which is why it's more important than ever to look after your body, make sure you respect it at that time and you speak to your nutritionist or your health professional on how best you can deal 
uh, with the different stages of the cycle because there are certain times where you'll feel more energized than others and they're when you really want to prioritize your performance but that does move me on to our fact or fiction round Daniel are you ready oh god <laughs> I, I, I definitely want to get some of these wrong <laughs> Do you know this, remember, it's just your opinion, so if you could answer fact right. or fiction okay. to the following. There's, sure. there's no right or wrong, essentially. You have to track macros to meet your fitness goals. Fiction. Rapid weight loss can damage performance. Uh, true, yeah, that's fact. To reduce body fat, you must cut fat from your diet. Fiction. Protein should be consumed within an hour of working out for muscle gains. Oh, uh, a previously would have been a fact, but that's fiction now. There we go. Snacking mid-workout will upset your digestion. If, if It's a fact if it's high intensity, yeah. Vegans should supplement with creatine. Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> uh, um, I, I, I wish I could say more than fact or fiction. Okay, they don't have to. I mean, it's fiction. They don't have to. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's so much nuance. Um, fasted exercise is the most effective method for weight loss. No fiction. Uh, drinking beetroot juice enhances energy production and decreases fatigue. Uh, I think the answer is in the question. That's fiction. <laughs> yeah. You should eat a lot less on rest days compared to days that you're training. I think the answer is in that as well. A lot less, no. Um, fiction. You can't drink too much water. That's fiction. There we go. Thank you. That was our fact or fiction round. I think you did really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I could respond to some of that stuff. There's loads of there's this podcast and some of those questions. There, there are. Let's go into, before we wrap up the episode, um, let's go into why the fact or fiction on vegan should supplement with creatine isn't just a straightforward yes or no. Yeah, because uh, I actually did my, uh, I, 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 the case study that I did with one of my elite athletes was um, converting from omnivore to vegan. And uh, there's, um, there's a low provision of creatine uh, in a lot of vegan based foods. So the greatest source of creatine comes from animal based foods. Mm. So if we're, if the body is going to be provided with a low amount of creatine then in those cases a vegan athlete can actually benefit from creatine supplementation there you go see and this is why it's just everything is complex and i hope that we've really showed everybody listening that it's really not as straightforward as a calculation and there is a big difference so i i suppose my food for thought today for our listeners we recap on every episode daniel with a food for thought and mine would be that there's a big difference between sports nutrition and general nutrition for the public, like we've mentioned, public health measures are there for a reason. And I think there is a very fine line where calculations um, can, of course, enhance performance and be useful, but can become detrimental as well to your mental health and your relationship with food. So just going for the basics for anybody listening that isn't an elite athlete will really help if you do get your balanced meals and you do allow yourself rest and recovery and it's not a bad thing to stop for a day and you don't have to be in the gym every day to get results your body isn't um going to adapt well if you suddenly 
put it under immense restriction or starvation or complete opposite. If you go full pelt on getting like the example down and use 65 grams of fiber one day, your digestion probably won't like that. So it's about finding what works for you and, and finding that balance, the one size fits all. So ultimately your performance can be improved with digestion, but you are unique and it does take a bit of trial and error, I think. Um, Daniel, could you leave our listeners with a perhaps more concise food for thought today? I think that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, <laughs> I really do. I think I think you should just snip that, and I think you should put <laughs> put it out uh, as uh, you know. Really? As a, as a, oh, no, I really, really did like that. Thanks. I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I over think, to you. <laughs> yeah, I suppose listening to you and maybe um, drawing on something that I think is important is that information has become very accessible and athlete specific nutrition information has become very accessible and i i think that uh, that can confuse people you know it's it's even it's it's i even have athletes um confused about the use of sugar and not understanding how critical sugar as a, as a just as a primary fuel mm. source is during exercise um, but we know excessive sugar is is bad for our health. So we have got all of these things, uh, and it really comes back to understanding what is your specific needs, what is your specific schedule, how planned and prepared are you for your needs, and really stick to that. You know, and I think that that's important. And a little tip that would I would give to people is, it's not about necessarily tracking in detail but it is about knowing where your pressure points are or where your pinch points are in the week and being prepared for those. You know, I think an awful lot of the time we we think about even something like batch cooking, we think about, oh, we need to be cooking all day on Sunday. That's yeah. not what's important. What's important is about knowing that Thursday is a particularly busy day or Tuesday is a particularly busy day. It would be very helpful if I prepared my lunch for that day and I had some snacks with me. That's what planning and preparation is looking like uh, or looks like and adapting your days and just up and down that little bit of energy and making sure that you're getting enough nutrients from from regular food sources, uh, like, uh, like you've already said, um, is, is going to make sure that you feel good and uh, that you <laughs> perform to your potential. I love that. Remember everyone, those pinch points. And Daniel, thank you. It's been, it's very difficult to compress all the information that I know that you've got to give everybody in this, this episode today. But if anybody wants to find out more from you, where can they find you? Yeah, thanks very much. So I, I've launched a, a new website called uh, davynutrition.com. I'm very proud of uh, the book, the nutrition yes. uh, book that I, I wrote last year. It's Eat Up, Raise Your Game. Um, and you can find me on social media at davynutrition.com. And thanks very, very, very much for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on Food for Thought. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll absolutely love what's coming next week. So make sure that you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. If you have time to, we'd really appreciate it if you want to leave a review so that we can reach those higher highs in the charts and hopefully help more people. That is our mission here with this podcast. For more information about my Retrition Clinic, the books, healthy recipes, and so much more, please visit retrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 